Welcome to Wandering Minds, a podcast for our parish, the Good Shepherd and St Peter's in Lee. For those who've not listened before, my name's Bridget, I'm the vicar of the parish and I'm joined by the esteemed Dr Nick Shepherd, who is... Uh, the vicar's husband um, and long-suffering Crystal Palace supporter. Brilliant. Do you think we've, do you think we've made it to top-rated pod on Hand and Road? There's probably someone who does a better pod. That's probably true. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to find that out. But uh, the idea of this podcast uh, is called Wandering Minds, and it's a theological ramble around uh, a particular subject. For the last few weeks, we've been thinking about different aspects of spirituality, things that we do to keep our faith alive. And today we're thinking about feeding our minds. Mm. Nick, Pretty high row. what do you do to feed your mind? Um, I listen to lots of podcasts. So I've got a range of podcasts. My favourite one is In Our Time. Would that be uh, Radio 4? Radio 4, yeah, with Melvin Bragg. Terribly intellectual. Because it's, it's brilliant if you can remember it. If you can remember it and come out in conversation and say, oh yes, the Corn Act of 18, you know, but I can never remember it. But when I'm listening to it, I feel like... A genius. I'm a genius, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so podcasts for you. Yeah, I'd say the same, actually. I like podcasts. Um... Books, of course, I think for some people, although I find um, I really have to have an essay deadline if I'm going to read a book. So actually study for me is quite a helpful thing. Mm. Um, it sort of focuses you when there is a looming deadline. Mm. Um, and, I, and I've and i got a couple of networks that I'm involved in, some from previous stuff in academic stuff, um, that I also, I just find those people really energising. Because I like good conversations and people to, to email you interesting articles and links and things like that. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, we're thinking particularly about how we nurture our own faith. So how do you feed your mind, particularly thinking about being Christian? What sort of feeds you and helps you to think about um, what it means to be a Christian? Well, for me, the thing I start with is that God's interested in the whole of life. So if I'm, if I'm, think, if I'm listening to a podcast about the economy or I'm listening to a science podcast or something about arts... For me, that's as much about feeding my mind as, uh, in a Christian sense, as any other aspect. But I guess the question is, is how do you how do you look at that in a Christian way, or how do you engage that in a Christian way? So for me, the thing I focus on is that uh, this an idea of developing what some people call a Christian worldview, yeah. where if through our own understanding of faith, through scripture, tradition, through theological thinking you can build a sense of the lenses through which you view the world, the kind of glasses that you see the world through, then the whole of life opens up for feeding our minds. Um, so that tends to be the kind of way that I that I look at it. Yeah, I, I think for those who uh, took part in our Zoom service on uh, the 5th of July, I was saying something very similar about um, using the Bible to shape your thinking, which then shapes your living. The same sort of idea, I think, of worldview, really, because if you're your thinking is shaped in a particular way then it colors the way that you engage with everything because in terms in terms of the christian tradition um it's only relatively recently that we've come to kind of separate out the sacred and the secular so if you look back at um scientists in medieval times you know bishop grotest who is the bishop of lincoln uh is he's done great stuff in the fields of microbiology in back in the, you know time um, the person who invented infinity uh, was a vicar in ashford oh you know so there's there's an immense amount of uh, kind of connection between faith and thinking all through our tradition 
And it's I think it's only very recently that we've seen those two things as being disconnected. And I think we want to try and reverse that as much as possible. We do want to try and reverse that. But I would also like to make a sort of uh, uh, argument for the fact that that for Christians, um, the Bible or scripture, if you want to use that word, should be our primary source when it comes to feeding our faith or feeding our, our minds. Um, and I, I totally agree with what you say, partly because I do encounter God in all sorts of other ways and places. But I sort of feel first and foremost, uh, you find God in the Bible. And so I guess for the next 20 minutes or so, I do want to, to look particularly at that and how we grapple with the Bible. Because I think for many people, there's a bit of a barrier when it comes to picking up the Bible and reading it. Um, I, I think for many people yeah. that there's a disconnect between the Bible and daily life. So people know it's a special book. We know it's important. We know we can find God in the pages. And yet it just feels so far removed from the stuff that we're grappling with on a day-to-day basis. It's fundamental to a Christian worldview because we get that through our understanding of how God's revealed in in Scripture, in the Bible. So, yeah, it's absolute. Yeah. Great. You can tell I've got heritage in the evangelical tradition because I'd like to... Go back to the Bible, Nick, if that's okay. That's fine, Vicar. I was just saying a moment ago, I think people are a bit intimidated by it. There's a bit of a disconnect, I think, between the Bible and daily life. And and also just the the sheer thing of it's a big old book. And how do you approach it? And and where do you start? How do we handle the Bible? How do we make sense of it? Because I think lots of people have had those experiences, you know, where they've picked up the Bible, it's sort of dropped open at a particular page and, it, and it's either some hideous genocide or it's something utterly random it can be quite be hard the, to yeah. handle the bible the, i mean it's some people describe the bible as being a library yeah my 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 favorite way of describing the bible is it it's 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 like a box set oh nice and it's not just a, a one series box set it's like the full seven series of the west wing yeah it's it covers a massive narrative and the characters change in the narrative all the time but it's effectively just a story and not just a story it is the story um so the bible's got an overarching story a big story of 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 who god is and how the world is held by god created by god and held by god and how uh, the world has gone into disarray and how god has always been working to set that right and ultimately will set it totally right in the future. So that's the big story of the Bible. So we've got it creation, fall, re- you know, redemption, renewal as a kind of big story. And we, we're we in that story. We're, we're, we're part of that story. Um, so we understand what it means to be Christians, to be people who engage in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Triune God through the Bible, mm. and work out what that's, how that story fits in history, how other people have engaged with God. So it's 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 a box set to delve into so if you were to say so we've 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 watched the west wing yeah but i've never watched the wire you know and people rave about the wire and and if i was to get into the wire i'd have to commit myself to saying right there are six series or however many it is and i need to get into it i need to learn the characters i need to learn the plot that's what we have with the bible yeah i like the i like the big story idea because i think then if you are struggling with a, one of the smaller stories that sit within it, it, it's fine to kind of step back and go, I don't fully see how it fits, but I understand there's something bigger going on than this immediate story. Um, and I, I also think, 
I remember um, as a kid, you know, every time you're introduced to an Old Testament character, for example, you assume that because they're in the Bible, they must be good. Uh, and, I, and now as an adult, I read back and, and you sort of think, actually, some of these people are in here because they're an example of, of sort of how to get it wrong and of people who've missed the mark and sort of messed it up. So within that big story of uh, creation, fall, redemption and renewal, there is something there about some of these stories are about fallen people who have lost their way with God desperately trying to get them back on track. So I can see how the the big story is like an interpretive key. Yeah, and all, and also that it's a description of reality. Yeah. So you have some people in the Bible who are flawed heroes in that kind of you know film description. Yeah. Um, God does some amazing stuff through them, but then they either blow it or they just seem to be not particularly nice people, mm. um, or they're ordinary people who are just trying to do their their best to make their way through life. Yeah. And God somehow weaves them into this big picture of what he's of what God's trying to do. So I think I think the other good thing about it is is it 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 describes the mess of the world we live in and mm. the mess that sometimes our own lives are in mm. and just shows that god god is prepared, not only prepared to but god seems to through those stories um affirm that that's how god works god comes to us in the mess and brings mm. you know re- renewal into and so i th- i think it's very hopeful thing to to kind of to read and engage in and when you find a bit that that grits against you the question is is why why is that gritting against me what is it about that story that kind of is is working on me um and that's a way that god can speak to us gritting is an unusual verb i've not heard that used before dr shepherd um they do it on roads don't they don't you grit roads (laughs) (laughs) to go back to the you said uh the bible's like a box set uh but you also mentioned the library thing um, I like the box set idea just because that feels very current but there's something useful I think in the library description of the Bible because it does remind us that the Bible is full of all sorts of different types of writing there are lots of genres in the Bible so you've got history you've got na- narrative you've got poetry you've got um, genealogies you've got letters you've got the gospel eyewitness accounts and I think that can be a very helpful starting point as well when you, you open up the Bible and you kind of ask yourself, well, what am I reading here? Partly because the, the the style of writing will determine the content of the writing. So, for example, a poem is meant to be evocative. It speaks to the soul. It's not necessarily um, a piece of history or a piece of uh, theology, actually, even because it's about capturing and expressing feelings. So I, I do think that is quite a helpful um, thing to remember is different styles of yeah, writing. Yeah, but I, I think I think between the two, it's that concept of story because part of the problem with the library yeah. is it gives the impression that even though it's got those different genres, that uh, it, it is literature. So there is story within it, and 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 different ways of telling story or different ways of adding information about the central characters to that plot. And so, I mean, some of that is to do with who the authors are as well, because the 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 different authors of the different books and letters all write with different purposes. They also write with different backgrounds as well. So you're going to get a range of perspectives. Um, I think we probably mostly assume that it's written by men. But uh, I remember when we did this sermon series on Ruth at, at church and there was a suggestion that actually Ruth was written by a woman because it has such a distinctive perspective. So we also have a whole range of people giving us their view on the big story and on how God is working. So that makes it quite an interesting um, collection of writing as well. 
Uh, to move on from that though, so those are some kind of basics, I guess. And actually, uh, if people haven't really um, uh, sort of come across those ideas before of the Bible being different styles of writing, there are some useful books. There's a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Uh, by Fee and Stewart and that gives a great introduction to some of the things that we've been talking about so that could be worth a look for people. I'd also chuck another one in which is the Transforming Vision by Walsh and Middleton yeah. which talks about how that big story is the foundations for shaping a Christian worldview. Okay, well, it takes us back to the worldview thing yeah, again. There you go. Huh? Like what we did there. Yeah, that's good. Um, but so I take all of that, I take the big story and, the, and actually the big story is God's purpose is to, re to redeem um, all of creation and to renew all of creation. Brilliant, it's a happy ending. I love a happy ending. However, sometimes I find I have issues, not with the Bible as such, but with the way in which people have used the Bible, um, both today and in history. So a current example would be a few weeks ago, Donald Trump stood on the steps of that church in Washington and held up a Bible. And it was, it was vile and he was, uh, holding it up to appeal to a certain group of people who vote for him and he was trying to suggest that he stands for a certain set of biblical values and of course there was a great outcry because actually the things he was suggesting he stands for are sort of almost you know anti-biblical the opposite of what God is seeking to do in the world and I guess you look back in history and sometimes scripture has been used to oppress certain groups um, all sorts of groups so there's a real issue, I think, around power and the use of the Bible and the abuse of power. Um, and I wonder if we can just sort of explore that a bit. And particularly, how do you deal with that when you're reading the Bible? We talked a bit recently about racism and unconscious bias. We all bring our own baggage and our bias to the reading of the Bible. How do we avoid reading in our own issues, our own priorities, our own prejudices and therefore reading out of scripture something that isn't there. Could you just solve that for me, please? Yeah, I'll solve that for you in, in four ways. Great. The first two ways are about the Trump thing. Yeah. So um, I've got an opinion on Trump, everyone's got an opinion on Trump, and you'll, get, you'll gather mine very, very quickly. But the interesting thing is, is that there was an interview done with him about can you name your favourite Bible verse? Yeah. And he goes, oh, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to get... He hasn't got a scooby. No. What's in the Bible. So for him, it's a piece of empty rhetoric. Yeah. Um, and then if you read the Bible, in both the Old and New Testament, you will find that that is specifically spoken against. So in the Old Testament, the prophets would speak to the kings of Israel to tell them that they were empty rhetoric, that they were not being obedient to the way of God. Mm. And in the New Testament, Jesus would say to the Pharisees, you are like whitewashed tombs. Yeah. You pretend you've got all this stuff together, but actually you're oppressing my people. Mm. So I look at Trump on those steps and I think to myself, if only you if knew. If only you knew what yes. was in the Bible, you might very well take some reference on it and realise what you're doing. And have the fear and, of yeah. God so, struck into So that you. would be my first critique of that, that actually that misuse of the Bible is actually articulated in the Bible as being improper. When anybody uses religion yeah. for self-serving means um, or for... Do you want to answer that? We're going to leave it. Uh, let's have a look. Shall I, uh, shall I answer it? We'll let it go to answer phone, shall we? Okay, that's not any parishioners. We're assuming it's just a sales call. Um, so yeah, so I think that's the first thing that 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 we have to understand that people will always try to misuse power and religion, and that that is captured in the story of the yeah. Bible. The first thing, the the, se the second couple of things would be um, that we 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 all, you know, were 
being fair to Donald Trump, we all come to the Bible with our own baggage. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. With our own lenses. Yeah. So I, um, I, and we don't want to make it a podcast about Trump, not this time anyway. Um, but how do you deal with that then? So how do you, I guess, read the Bible in community so that you avoid a, a kind of subjective reading of it? Um, I, I, I put myself in the, I guess that the more postmodern camp where I don't believe it is possible for me to be objective and to read the Bible objectively just because I am situated where I am at this point in time. I'm a woman, I'm white, I'm 44, all of those things. So I, I can only see things through my own perspective. So what safeguards do we have? I mean, we, we can read the Bible in community by gathering people with different perspectives to hear different voices. But, but how else can we sort of engage with the Bible to, to, to stop us going kind of wildly off track? Well, I think that be, be a couple of things I was momentarily thrown by the, um, by, by, by the phone call. But one, we, we always do this, this interpretation. So what, what, is, what we read in, 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 in the scripture, in the text, um, there, there's a meaning in that, that that isn't fixed. It's always to do with our interpretation and the, and, and the context that we're in. Mm. Um, one of the ways that people talk about getting to a richer understanding is is to do what they call is to read the canon. So the reason why we have a closed canon of scripture is there are some bits in scripture that provide different perspectives. So people might say, you know, the old, I don't think it's this way, but the Old Testament God seems to be an angry God, and the New Testament God seems to be a God of love. And it's not that clear. Yeah. But what is clear is you could read slightly different things about. So actually. The Bible itself has within it an internal mechanism for challenging our our pre preconceptions. I like that, dear. I'm not going to lie. I like <laughs> that point a but, lot. So, so that and that and that's why it's important not just to be a kind of I'm a, I'm a New Testament person or I only read the you know read some of the Paul changes his mind four times over the issue of food sacrifice to idols. Yeah. You know, or seems to, and so you 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 get that sort of internal corrective. And then the external corrective, which you talked about in your sermon, um, is around the fact that actually there are different interpretations that we need to open ourselves up to and be provoked on to be pushed on. Yeah. Um, and, and you can only do that in community or you can only do that by looking at some of the ways that people over time or in other contexts cultures, and yeah. cultures have, have done things. There's a, I think we've got some riches actually within our own Anglican tradition that we can draw on at this point. Um, because part of the the Anglican tradition is um, we we have uh, three things that we draw upon to understand who we are and how we live as Christians, and they are scripture, tradition, and reason. Uh, they come from Richard Hooker. That's about as much as I know about those. Skating on thin ice, and I'm watching this. I know <laughs> you're not funny. Um, but as far as I understand it, in a terribly uh, uh, basic way. The idea being that the scripture is our primary source of revelation of God and of a teaching about the nature of God and the nature of Christian living. But then as we try to make sense of that, we also hold on to our own tradition within the church. So we look back and say, what have we done? How have we lived? What have we learnt? You know, what, what's important to us? But we draw upon our reason as well. So um, that is, it's not just logical thinking, it's our ability to perceive, our ability to understand, our ability to evolve in our thinking. Um, I know that, that 
the, within the, the Methodist quad, quadrilateral, there's uh, experience is added as a fourth dimension of that. But I think Anglicans would argue that experience is part of that idea of reason. So when we're trying to work out what God's saying, we start with scripture, we then reflect on the tradition to which we belong as Christians, and then we draw in our reason. So our, our thinking, our perceiving, our feeling and our experience. And all of those different things kind of come together to shape our judgment about um, how we live yeah. or about a theological matter. And, the, and one of the important things for me in that is tradition is not just the received knowledge. So we have always believed this, therefore we will always believe this. Yeah. Tradition captures the wider sense of what it means to live and be the church or a people of faith. So the way in which we pray together, we meet together, uh, we, we share practices together the way in which the sacraments nourish our faith so our, our experience of god is not just through reading the bible our experience of god is through being in the church yeah um, and so actually those so when we're reading so say we're reading a letter uh, you know uh, one of the epistles around conflict in the church uh, we will have experienced that in our churches yeah. but we will have also experienced how our practices enable us to understand each other better to forgive to move forward so tr tradition shouldn't be misunderstood as being we've always believed this therefore we ought to always believe this yeah. it's actually about the kind of lived, lived reality yeah, of our being lived church. experience the things we've learned yeah. then tradition is the things we've learned tradition is the, 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 the tradition is, is the things that we embody yeah. of, of what it means to be christian people yeah. and that changes and i mean i what i find helpful about this idea of scripture tradition and reason is it, it sort of accounts for the fact uh, as to why theological ideas have changed over time. So, you know, an example I would use would be the role of women within the life of the church. So you sort of rewind a couple of hundred years and the leadership of the church is almost exclusively male. And so you then get to a position today where I'm a vicar and I'm a woman and how is it that we've changed? And, and I think there's something about you look again well through the through the lens of reason which is we're seeing women in other fields um coming to the fore and leading uh we rewind we've had political leaders who are women all of those things so our our thinking about the role of women is changed by what's happening in the world you bring that back to scripture you look again at scripture because you look with a new set of eyes you then begin to see the role of uh, women that perhaps has been overlooked in the past, so particularly in the early church. Um, and then you reflect on your own tradition and think about who you are as the church and how it's developed. And then perhaps there is some kind of arguing that goes on between those three different dimensions, what the Bible says, what the church hasn't been and is, and, uh, and what we're learning through experience. And so I think there's something about the wrestling that happens there, and it is a very contested space, but that is how ideas evolve and thinking evolves and then big changes happen. Or have I oversimplified it? No, I don't think you have oversimplified it. I mean, there, there is this, what this, this thing of called two integrities, that, that, that you can interpret the role of women in, in ordained leadership in the church as being valid or as, 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 as not being valid. Yeah. And that actually both positions can be. This is the interesting thing about reason. Both positions can be can be argued. But I but I think to describe it as the wrestling, I rather than a fight. We we like to have final outcomes. This yeah. has now been sorted. Well, it hasn't been sorted. Uh, not just because there are different people who believe that women ought, ought ought to not be in church leadership or not, 
but actually hasn't been sorted because the role of ordained leadership is always changing. Yeah. You know, and so actually not, not you know, and, the sh and, and now that I've noticed that now that we have women in, in, in the House of Bishops, the culture of those aspects of life are changing. Yeah. You know, it, the same will be true if we increase our diversity in, uh, in, in different ethnic groups being represented. Um, and, and so it's a dynamic that we're capturing rather yeah. than a reason has now decided that this is and that's the that's the great thing about them always being in tension yeah you know with each other because sometimes our understanding of the bible our understanding of what we see in the bible and in our tradition may actually mean that we're at odds yeah with the reason of the world quote unquote the big stuff about um payday lenders very clearly, our, our tradition in the Bible says that this is not a form of lending that we think is appropriate. So we'll take an ethical stance against that. So it, it's a complicated picture, but it's a way of navigating. It's like a compass that, you know, that continually resets itself to kind of, you know, send us in the direction that we feel we ought to be going in yeah. as we kind of make that journey. I like it because it, I mean, I think scripture's alive anyway, and, and because the Holy Spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through scripture, you know, it, it's a doubly living um, uh, a doubly living piece double of writing. Sword, you might it's a say. double edged sword. But for me, it's even more than that. I really like that live dynamic that just says um, because there is always more of God to be discovered, because as, as the church we are always growing, um, and because life is always changing, we can bring all of that together when we read the Bible, and it's possible to keep discovering new things or to see in a new way or to get a fresh perspective and I find that hugely exciting and energizing that that I can look again and see something new and even as you were talking going back to the you know the nature of ordained leadership that that having women in the house of bishops they lead differently and that will then cause us to actually to look at the look at the bible again differently in the type of leadership we see and because suddenly we're attuned to seeing in a different way we will spot mm. things in the bible you know you talked about making church leadership more diverse and more representative of our uh, our country so that we would have more black asian minority ethnic uh, bishops in the house of bishops then i can imagine we'll start looking back into church history actually and realizing that we have whitewashed church history and that some of our foremost church leaders and yeah. theologians have not been white men but have been black men yeah. and and guess what i rather suspect in there somewhere there are yeah. probably black women who originated yeah. some of the most um, formative ideas that we have. And it will just be to do with the way in which history is recorded. But uh, for me, you know, all of that's in there together. The spirit, scripture, our history and our current experience. Yeah. And I think we, we, we've all, you know, so not just in terms of the kind of the ministry of the church. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do at the minute is how do you, cap how do you recapture a biblical imagination for the whole of life? So, because we tend to both, you know, to to to, to partition our lives, uh, you know, sacred and secular, religious and non-religious, um, we sometimes push all that stuff into the. If you work for the church, that's important for you. But if it's not for me, but actually to recover that sense of well, what is Scripture telling us mm. about our role? So, one of the stories we tell is about a police officer uh, who's in an armed protection unit, and um, he's trying to work out, you know, what what does it mean for him to be a Christian in that workspace. And, and he describes how one of the things he feels he plays in his team is he's always solving arguments or he's always trying to bring people back together again or he's always trying to cool down a moment that's about to get out of control. Uh, obviously very important in his, in, in his, in his job. Um, and someone in a, a small group he was in in the church suggested, oh, you're a peacemaker. 
blessed be the peacemakers. Mm. Um, and then he took the Beatitudes um, and, 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 and read them regularly and asked himself the question, what does it mean for me to, me to be a police officer who bases my understanding of service on the Beatitudes? Wow. I mean, imagine that, if you even get 10% down the line of, of, of shifting your practice. Yeah. So the, the Bible is a plumb line and a compass and so many other ways that you could describe it as being the way in which we can orientate our lives to engage in, in being the type of people God wants us to be and being engaged with God's activity in the world. Thanks. So as I reflect on the conversation we were just having, I think... What I feel is when we read the Bible, we need to read it thoughtfully. Um, not necessarily having lots of background knowledge, but just being aware that it was written in a different time, in a different culture, in a different context. Um, and just to have that at the back of our minds so that we are thoughtful when we engage with it. That said, there can be things that can help us to deal with the complexities of the Bible and also that just tell us about the culture and the time and the context in which it was written. So, um, Nick, I know you're terribly intellectual, but um, what helps you with reading the Bible? YouTube. Um, it does. No, seriously, <laughs> being terribly intellectual. Yeah. There's loads of stuff on, you know, from really good people. I mean, you get some dross, but um, that you know, someone like Tom Wright, who former Bishop of Durham, you know, Anglican scholar. Uh, some great kind of YouTube lectures from him. Uh, so anybody I would read, I would also find on on YouTube talking about talking about stuff. Um, and there's a thing called the Bible Project, yeah, uh, which has got its own website, but also has its own YouTube channel. Um, and they have got a series of um, uh, short animations which talk about the things we mentioned earlier: the big story of the Bible, characters, plot, different genres of literature. Um, but we used them with the youth group last year, and you know, so they they were able to engage engage with that. And the final one would be similar on YouTube, St John's College, which um, is uh, mo moving to somewhere else now. They've got a thing called the Timeline Project, which again has got lots of scholars in talking in an open, accessible way about bits in the Bible. So yeah, oh. YouTube. There you go. Okay. You thought I was joking. I I did. <laughs> um, so. So sometimes it can be helpful then just to sort of draw that together to say you draw on other people's knowledge and expertise so we don't have to know that stuff for ourselves. We can actually just get that expertise in a distilled form. I think one of the things I like is um, a way of reading the Bible called Lectio Divina. It just means slow reading in effect. It's a sort of ancient practice of reading the Bible. But it's where you uh, read a short passage through once, um, pause, then you read it again much more slowly, just allowing each word to sort of soak in, pause, and then you can, if you want, read it through for a third time, and then you just see what you notice, which word stands out to you. Um, is there a particular line that stands out to you? And what I really love about that is you just open up a space, actually, where God speaks to you through his Holy Spirit. You don't have to have um, a, a doctorate in biblical studies you don't have to know New Testament Greek. You can just be open and sort of saying to God, I'm listening, please speak to me. So I love that because I think anybody can do that. Um, and it never ceases to amaze me actually how yeah. powerful that is. The other thing I was going to say is every Wednesday morning we have um, morning prayer at the moment on Zoom, of course, uh, ordinarily in church, just half an hour. 
we read the Anglican set readings for the day. So there's a Psalm, an Old Testament and a New Testament. And then we take five or ten minutes and the people who are there, maybe a dozen people, we just say, have you got any thoughts? And often we've read a chunk of the Old Testament and somebody will sort of say, oh, actually, I found that difficult for this reason. And sometimes the sort of shared views in the room means we have a new insight and we kind of say, oh, I see it differently. It's not as problematic now. And actually, sometimes we just say, gosh, this is really hard and I find this quite uncomfortable and I don't know what it's there for. Either way, the idea of reading the Bible in community with others is really helpful mm. just because people bring their different views. And I find that incredibly enlightening and also just affirming when somebody else says, I don't know what to do with this either. It's really helpful. And the brilliant thing about that for me, it, just that example you use, is going back to our scripture, reason and tradition. Yeah. Um, that that approach to the Bible is at the heart of the Anglican Reformation. Yeah. So the Anglican reformers um, set uh, the prayer book, set daily prayer in the context of reading the Psalms really really pushed and reintroduced that out of the monastic tradition it says everybody does this the whole church does that together this is not a, just a special not few. just a special few yeah this is to form the whole people of god they moved the sermon uh, into the communion service and made it a much higher profile bit so that you could have ministry of word and sacrament yeah as well as service of the word um and um so so that notion of our tradition as the Anglican Church, that's why we have scripture, tradition and reason, because it's it's part of our DNA, it's part of who we are. So talking together about the Bible is really, really important. I also think it makes the Bible brilliantly dangerous, because you can sit in church with the Bible open on your knee, and you can listen to the preacher at yeah. the front, and you can read the text for yourself, and you can think, that's... I disagree. Yeah. I think you're wrong yeah. with the preacher. Yeah. And, and I think it flattens the whole sort of power structures. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely had exchanges with people after sermons where I've said something yeah. and someone has come back and said, actually, I see yeah. that differently. And it, it's a very energising yeah. provocation. And if anybody tells you that's not Anglican, that's entirely wrong. It's thoroughly Anglican yeah. to be a people formed in Scripture. And we use a thing called dwelling in the Word, uh, as, as a, which is another approach um, to reading Scripture, a little bit like Lectio Divina. But in that pattern, what you what you do is you read a passage of Scripture together as a community and then you share what you notice. So it's about what you notice with another person. And they listen to you. And then they, 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 you do that in a pair. And then you join up with another pair. And the other person tells that pair what they heard you say. Mm-hmm. And then the other pair, and we do that in a, in a pair. And then you all come back to, together as a big group. Um, and then you, you just invite people to share what they notice people hearing. And is there any sense of what God might be saying to all of us? through this moment of dwelling in the word. So yeah, so rather than one person at the front telling you this is what the Bible says, yeah. you actually have a group working together, yeah. listening to one another right. and listening to scripture to say, we think this is the emerging message exactly. that's coming out of the yeah. passage. It's really, really powerful to do I like and it. to keep doing over time. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about when I, I my anxiety about scripture being used and abused to sort of um, oppress people. So I think if you, you know that the, this the flattened structure the communal reading guards against that and particularly when you sort of say is this part of god's big story big god's big plan nick we should stop we should. but before we do uh the phone rang obviously uh, a moment ago in in the second part of the podcast and i believe it was someone phoning up to say that the bishop of lincoln wasn't a microbiologist yes. sorry about that i know there's a good complaint to make the reason why i made that mistake was i learned about him in microbiology 
when I was at university because what he did invent or did uh, clarify was the, was the notion of scientific method, that you have to clarify things through experimentation. Um, and that was being used by my teacher at the time to tell me this is how we do stuff in microbiology because of, because of the Bishop of Lincoln. Very good. Um, it's, do you know what this is like? In our time, oh. I feel like I've been part of an episode of In Our Time. There Melvin, thanks for uh, being with us. Thank you very much, Doctor Nick. It's always a pleasure. Uh, do join us again next time, where we'll be rambling about prayer. Mm -hmm.